Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. So Jesus, in the midst of, in the things that we face, circumstances or life in general, or, or maybe it's a hurricane. will not be shaken. So God, I just pray over my friends. I pray over family. And those who have ears to hear. God, may you just be exalted as we dive into your word today as as you literally do what you do best. Draw people towards you and you change lives. And we trust trust you with everything in your name. Amen. Why don't you guys go ahead and have a seat. Thanks for worshiping, man. Was that awesome? Give those guys a round of applause, man. So if I hadn't had a chance to meet you, my name is Jason, and I lead the pastor here at Centerpoint Church, and it's just been a privilege to worship with you guys this morning. It's already been fun. Uh, We could call it a day right now, but hey, you know, I want to dive into some meat, and so let's see what God does. And so over the past four weeks, what we've been experiencing is literally we've been diving into our mission of why we want to do what we do here in our community. And the whole idea of our mission is literally to become more devoted to Jesus Christ at the center of our lives through centering, pointing, and living. And when we do that, it literally allows us to change everything. It allows us to, to, to search more, dig deeper more, and live life in community with other believers as, as like-minded people. And so in week one, we talked about faith. In week one, we talked about faith, and we were going to give up things that we love for the things we love even more, uh, meaning we cannot play it safe and please God. You just can't play, play, you know, play safe and please God. You just can't. So therefore, we're going to be faith-filled, big-thinking church uh, that believes that faith should be the center uh, so he can lead the way. Um, and we will never insult God. We will never insult God by thinking small. You know, we might be a small church, but we're not going to be thinking small. We're going to literally be thinking big in the ways that only our God is so big. And so, um, and so we're going to continue to run that race. We're going to continue to run that race that God has marked out for us. He gave us the four words in, in my family's life, long obedience in the same direction. And we're going to keep on charging the gates of hell with water pistols and watch what happens when enough people gather. We'll put out the gates of hell, the fires there, and just watch lives be transformed. Week two, we dived into this whole idea about serving and what it looks like. Uh, and, and for most churches, uh, they, they experience this number called 80% rule. 80% of people literally just come and consume. Um, and so we don't want to just to be spiritual consumers of the church. We want to be spiritual contributors of the church because the church does not exist for us, but we are the church and we exist for the world in order to see uh, what happens when we experience changed lives that can change lives through our time, through our talent and our tithe. When we do this, when we get it right, we literally watch the atmosphere change. Week three, we talked about generosity. We talked about generosity just last week, and we talked about we're going to lead the way with crazy, irrational generosity because we truly believe it's blessed to give than it is to receive. And when the church gets to give back, 
The only way uh, that, that, we, that, that in, the, in, the, in the journey, when we give in a way that can change the church, uh, the, the atmosphere changes and Jesus gets the credit for it. He simply does uh, because we need some wins. The church needs some wins uh, around our communities and around our nation. Uh, we see churches always taking a black eye. And so when we give and we do things through our local church, man, the church takes a huge win, takes a huge step forward. So we challenge people. Everywhere, you know, whether you're being part of our church or another church, we challenge everyone to consider a giving challenge and what it means to really change the trajectory uh, of what the church can do uh, and, and hopefully impact our local area, whether it be that with your time, your talent, or your tithe. And so today I want to talk about one of the more important values that I believe in, and it's essentially why we exist. Um, when we launched, we evaluated why, why we should not just launch another church to begin another service um, to do church, right? Uh, we really took a big, huge, deep look in our local area, and we found out there's over 70 some odd churches just in our county alone, and that's kind of a lot. And it's plenty. There's plenty more churches in our surrounding counties and areas. And so, why should we do something that, that's happening right down the street, the exact same thing that everyone else is doing? And so, we want to talk about today is is the main reason why those light bulbs are out there in that orange lobby. And if you don't know what those orange light bulbs represent, it is basically a changed life. There has been literally that many light bulbs that have been lit up because people are figuring out who Jesus is in their life. And they go out there, they take a light bulb, they take it up after the service, and they screw that light bulb in, and they become a light bearer now for Jesus. And I love it. I can't wait till we add the next strand, and I can't wait to just have to add another strand. And I can't wait till we literally multiply in ways that only he can get the credit for. And so the value is reaching people who are far from God. Reaching people who are far from God, and when we do that, man, things change. And so if you have your Bibles or if your electronic device or whatever you have today, uh, maybe it's just up on the screen behind us, but we're going to dive into the Mark's Gospel today, Mark chapter 2, and we're going to start off at the end of the chapter, and then we're going to work our way forward and bring you back. So, but before we jump into today's text, I just want to let you know where we're going. Um, over the next couple weeks, you know, this is the sort of the, the, that, that moment where we, we change, you know, we change, right? We, we were, we've done the school thing for a month, and, and so we sort of allow you guys to get back into school and the flow of things, but next, next week, we, we launched a new series, and we launched our, actually our fall series, and that whole idea is, is, is something that, 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 that we want you to be a part of, and we want to see what God can do when we, we get this right. And so the Bible is very clear on how a Christ follower will live. Uh, it says in this world, you'll have some struggles, right? You'll have some struggles. You'll actually face opposition. You'll be challenged. And there's reasons for that. This world is not your home. This world is not your home. So how we respond makes an impact on the culture we live in. And, and, and we will answer hate. We'll answer hate with love. We'll find joys in the midst of trials. And, and we'll rely on strength beyond yourself. Literally, that comes from only Jesus. And as a Christ follower, you are meant to be different. And that's where we're heading next week. You're meant to be different. Uh, you should have got a little card on the way in, and, and that's where we're heading. This is the whole idea of being different. You see, this series is a study of, of, of the book of 1 Peter that covers a topic like how we respond in persecution and how culture in the world will increasingly pulling away from God. You see that everywhere. And I hope you will consider joining us and being a part of next week. And, and we'll encourage your friends or neighbors to join us with that card that we give you. 
as we launch this new series based out of First Peter. And there's no better time uh, to invite somebody than at the beginning of a series because everything's new, right? Everything's new. And say, come on, let's join us. It's, it's, uh, it's all going to be new, and we just want to be different. And what does it mean to be different in your walk with Jesus? And so as we, get, we dive back into today, um, if you're a Jesus follower today, I really want you to consider thinking about how, how actively putting his words into practice are in your life, all right? And that's a big, bold question to become swinging out, but we only got a little bit limited time, and I, was, I want to absorb everything we can. How, how actively are you at putting his words into practice, or are you just playing church? If you're, if, you're, if you're not a Christian here today, uh, today you get to listen in to some amazing stories of what it should look like, and maybe at the end you'll consider to begin a journey with Jesus. In the book of Mark, there's a disciple, you know, this guy who followed Jesus and recorded how Jesus walked, and he recorded his miracles, and, and, and even more, he, he lived with him, he walked with him, he breathed with him, he laughed with him, he cried with him. And Mark just sort of records everything. Mark explains Jesus had, had just healed a guy. And then he called Matthew, or this guy named Levi, who was a sinful tax collector. And, and he called Levi to, to do two of the most hardest words in all scripture, which are follow me. Follow me. And I truly believe these words are challenging for anyone because we have to lay down everything and change what we care about. And simply trust Jesus. A lot of we have, we have things that we've built up. And we, when we've experienced Jesus, it's just like you, you, you're like, he says, follow me. Just trust me with this. And you, you, sometimes we hold on like this, right? We hold on. And then eventually we, we let go. And we, we, we experience the fullness he wants for us. And so does it, do you really follow him? Do you really trust him with everything? Your time, your talent, your tithe. Now, to the shock of all the religious people in the day, in the time, um, this very well-known sinner named Levi, uh, Matthew, right, uh, not only follows Jesus, but then he goes and does something even more. He, he throws this party at his house and, and, and invites, evidently, uh, some other very questionable characters. Does anybody know those guys down you know, in your life? You're, you're probably looking at your, your husband. You know, it's just those moments you're, you, you're, looking, you're looking around the room like, yeah, I know some in here. You know, and it's just those moments, right? There's just those moments that you sort of you gather up people. But you just got to put this in perspective. What, what other people? place or person that you know of can gather up this type of audience with all the walks and the, the past and the shame and the regrets and, and, and just the, literally the junk of life. What other type of thing you gather around other than Jesus, right? You can celebrate life. So Jesus takes the same type of idea and says, I'm going right back out and we're going to have a party and so he goes to this guy's house. He goes to Matthew's house and says, let's have a party. Let's have a Jesus party. Or wait a minute, no, it's, it's Matthew's party. It's Matthew's house. Let's have a Matthew party. And I love Matthew parties, by the way. They're, they're awesome. They're all great. If you don't know what a Matthew party is, it's, it's like finding your neighbor that's far from God and just go and invade in his refrigerator. That's what a Matthew party is. It's really fun. Whatever's in there, you drink it too. Some of you are like, I can't drink that. Well, it's his party. You might enjoy it just a little bit. It might loosen you up. I'm just being honest. Some of you are so high strung, right? It's those moments when some of you are like, man, I ain't coming back here no more. I can't believe he just said that. 
Hey, we do live in Kentucky. So uh, it's those moments when you are sought in light. You are sought in light to the dark areas of where you live, where you work, and where you play. And you just become the hands and the feet of Jesus. You walk in with no fear, and you're just just loving on people. You're listening. God gave you two ears. He gave you one mouth. Some of you need to put some emphasis on that one. Just listen to people's stories. You see, the Pharisees, the religious people, they they are highly offended by this, if you haven't noticed. If you walk into some local bars, I can only imagine, you know, it it looks a lot like today if if you're a preacher. If I wish to walk into a bar, not saying that I have or haven't, but let's just say I have. And you walk into this, this, this place and all of a sudden, man. You're on Facebook or Snapchat or you're on Instagram and you're down. You, you, you can't believe a local pastor was entered a bar. Well, all I can say is Jesus did it. He hung out with Matthew and that's even worse, right? It, it just is what it is. It's recorded in scripture, but here we're going to be judging one another. We're going to be casting judgment. And I, I can only imagine for other preachers who are caught They're caught sitting at the bar at Applebee's. Come on, it's the neighborhood grill. It says it right there on the sign. But we get so judgmental and bent out of shape. And it's almost like like in Mark chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. It just comes out swinging. These guys come out swinging in that verse in Mark 2, 16. It says, why does Jesus eat with sinners? Here they come. They're coming with gnashing of teeth, right? They're grinding. I don't even know what that means, but they're just, they're coming out. I've never seen someone gnashing of teeth, by the way, but I don't want to be around them. I thought I was there when the last birth of my child, she did bit my, she bit my head. You can ask her about that one. But that, you know, there was a moment there. I, just, I don't want to be around somebody that's just like, they're coming at me and they're just, why does Jesus eat with sinners? You can almost sense it. And Jesus responds in verse 17. He responds with, was, was so shockingly and so controversial. It was almost like, you know, if I could just use modern day terms for those under, you know, 21. It was like a mic drop, you know? Just, you just say what you got to say and then boom. And then just everybody just gets that quiet. Or it's like he said what he said and he went, you know, and just walked away. <laughs> and just walked away. That's what he did. And for those who don't, you know, they're listening online, I just did the dab. I just did the dab. He just like, he said what he said and went, you know, and just said, what you got? You know, and that's what he did. Here's what he said. He said, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, why does he eat with sinners? He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. Who is it? Say it with me, church. He says, but it's the sick. This, this is in his next line would have totally thrown the Pharisees off their pedestal, their high pedestal. They would have called this heresy. They would have called, couldn't believe it. He said it. Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous. Who did he come to call? He came to call the what? The sinners. You see, Jesus did not come for the healthy, but he came for the sick. He did not come for those who think they already know Jesus, but he came for the sinners. And a lot of church people are going to miss heaven because of 18 simple inches because they don't think they're a sinner. They think they got it here, but they ain't never found him here. They got head knowledge, but they do not have heart knowledge. And see, when I look at this, it moves me because what I see is an image of a girl or a guy who probably made some bad decisions in their life early on in life, and they got trapped in a sinful pattern. 
And this girl now is searching for something. And I see her looking around town, and I know this girl personally. And I see her seeking, and I see her trying, but she's not quite there yet. And I see men and women both who are wanting something more but can't find it because of other righteousness people that keep on putting her down. And I can see the spiritual battles going on in her brain. They're like firing off like a, you know, bouncy balls jumping off the Empire State Building. That's just what my mind looks at it. They're just everywhere. And that's what's being drawn towards what's right and but being held back by what's wrong in life for her. And I remember even helping some of these friends out of jail. Believe it or not, I busted a couple people out of jail with bail. Getting them out on a new start and trying. You know, we put a center point shirt on, a Love Loud Now shirt. And some other church people literally walk up. I saw your friend back in jail with a center point shirt. And I was just like, really? What better place to have a shirt, center point shirt than in jail? <laughs> free advertisement, you know? Where'd you get that shirt? They got free donuts in the loft. I don't know. I'm going when I get out. <laughs> don't laugh. You might be there next, you know? I'm like, you know, have we failed? Did we mess up loving on somebody? And I will simply answer, no, because sin is real. It is so sticky. It's like those little mouse traps that you put your foot in in the middle of the night when you don't know they're there. And then you're just like, what is that? And you're just shaking it and you cannot get it off. It's worse than Legos. Some of you are laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. You step on a Lego in the middle of the night, words come out of your mouth that are not godly. <laughs> Just being honest. And I want to share this, and I feel it could be controversial for some of you. But when we started Centerpoint, and we launched it, we didn't even have a name yet. We just, we just launched it with like-minded people. And as you heard already, Rhonda, one of the first persons that I asked to be a part, and she's our Kidsville pastor, you know, we were, we were sitting on a tailgate in, a, in, in Stanford, Kentucky, behind the church that I was actually working at, and, and literally was at a bonfire. And I just said, don't you think that church should look different? Shouldn't it feel different? Shouldn't we be, like, reaching people? That should? And I was just like, this is what it should look like, because we were hanging out with a bunch of students. I said, this is what it should look like. No fear, just loving God, loving others, and just, man, just... Charging the gates of hell. He's like, yeah. I was like, you want to do that? And she's like, okay. And we just, the next person, I just went and asked, and literally the next person was around my campfire in my backyard, and we just asked them the same thing. We just feel like God's calling us to do something, and, and, and literally they was like, okay. And the next person, we went to their house, and they were actually having s'mores in their backyard, and we asked them, and they said, okay. I'm like, wait a minute, we should go back to a campfire meeting, because it seems like everybody who I talked to in the first early days was all around a campfire. We started talking about it, and hands down, we, we started it. We started this journey for people exactly like that who are far from God, not the church people, but those who have been hurt by the church. And there's a bunch of people who have been hurt by the church. And we know there's, there's, there's people who are searching for hope, and they can't find it because of people. And what I hope you understand to one degree or another. And we're all exactly like that same person. It just looks different because we're on a different journey with Christ. You see, Jesus did not come for those who have it all together. He came for the sick. 
the broken. He came for sinners, and I'm humbled every time I see that girl. It moves me to tears sometimes simply because I know that there are those of you who today, you're in a similar spot. And this could be a breakthrough day for you, just like I believe it might be around the corner for this woman who is searching and trying desperately to find Jesus. You see, growing up in church, I remember paying attention some days, paying attention. We, we, we had services and we gathered and, and some days I paid attention, other days not so much. Those are the days I got in trouble with my, my dad in the choir. But I remember mission friends. I don't know if you grew up in a church where there was mission friends. Where we learned weird songs and I still remember all the motions of the Lord's army, make me what I want to be, you know, you know. I remember all these songs, Jesus loves me, this I know. I, I could still sign those things. I, I just, it's, it's embedded in me. I remember children's church where we're literally, we, we got to play with these things called flannel graphs, the greatest thing ever invented. By the way, you stick these things on and, and Jonah in the well has a whole new meaning when you can move it. You know, digital age is awesome, but flannel graphs, man, come on. If you grew up in flannel graphs, raise your hand. Those things are awesome especially if you got to be David and Goliath. So I was always Goliath. Anyways, uh, you know, it was just those moments. I remember playing games. I remember just having fun. Then youth group where there's just pizza, a lot of pizza, and a whole bunch of pizza. And we just had parties to keep, keep me safe, keep me out of trouble. You see, Sundays were a lot of standing up, sitting down, and standing up and sitting down, standing up. Sitting down, sometimes reaching in front of you to grab the pew, uh, you know, one of these things, or maybe to grab this thing called a hymn book um, and turning to a simple page number. And then we would sing all, all the verses except one, right? Which one is it, church? And some of you are like, I don't know. But you always sang number one, you always sang number two, and you would what? Skip three. Why? Why, why have it in there if you're going to skip it every single time? Like, I want to read. Can we just go to three? I just want to sing three. Can we just sing three? That's just the way my mind thinks. My, my mind would just be totally somewhere else. It's like squirrel. You know, you're looking over here. Because you you know he's going to skip three. He's just going to skip three. And then they got to the end, and every head bow, right? Every eye closed. And for the longest time, I did that over and over and over and over again. And every day, I broke the rules. And I looked around. I would look around. I was like, sinners. You know, and, just, you know, and then I got convicted, and I thought I was going to hell. And so I went up to the pastor and said, I looked around. I just needed to confess that. He just looked at me and laughed. I remember him leaning into me, and, and then I, I just went on to college, right? Because you know, church engaged me, but I really didn't engage the church. It just kept me from being a bad kid. And then I went off to college, and that's when it, the reality of sin and how far I was from Jesus really weighed on me. I really engaged Jesus for the first time through this amazing organization called the Baptist Student Center. And it allowed me to grow and mature in ways that I would never have by myself. And I had a mentor pouring life into me. And if Rick Trexler, if you're listening, I love you, man. Thank you so much for the, the values you poured into me as a young man. A young, skinny, skinny dude walking into college and just trying to act like he knew everything. You saw right through it. You saw the fear. You saw the unknown. But you saw something bigger. You saw Jesus in me. And you changed my life because you saw how God could do something that I couldn't. And he challenged me to think differently, to do things the church was not. And so I listened and I did it. I began leading groups on the campus where we're, where, where we're not involved on the, at the BSU. And I began hanging out literally in the bars. And, and we started out in dance club, our own dance club called Detour. And believe me, a six foot eight white dude can get down and get jiggy with it. Okay. 
Me and Will Smith, we know each other personally. We're, we're, we're good with this. Going to Miami. You know, we, we had some fun in the 1990s, you know. Um, we had fun. And we did things literally no one else was doing. And people saw that. They, they saw that it was authentic. They saw it was real. They saw somebody chasing after God. And they were just like, what is that? And in one semester, literally, we, we went after all the fraternity people and all the sorority people, and they actually let me share about Jesus. They actually let me share about Jesus. And in one semester, God did something more than we could possibly imagine. We began to see a movement take place. The next couple of years, we watched as Jesus was at the center of our organization and became the largest organization on the campus of 15,000 students. And then begin, eventually began the largest organization in the state of Kentucky with over 500 people involved. We had to move our meetings from our local little small building up on campus because we outgrew it. We busted down the walls. We didn't have enough space. And people were coming to know Jesus. I'm telling you this because we saw a group of people who experienced changed lives and they went out and changed the landscape of where I went to school. So much that we watched bar after bar after bar begin to close because we changed the atmosphere with Jesus. We saw things only God could get the credit for because it affected others and seriously changed the environment in so many different ways. We saw churches starting to literally change what they cared about and they started following suit and literally there's churches still over there in Richmond today that literally have an impact of where we were literally when my college years. I get excited because I see what is possible with God at the center. And I got a very humbling letter literally about a year ago in the mail from someone who engaged the ministry. Uh, I never got a chance to really meet her, but she wrote a letter thanking me. Uh, and she actually sent it to the Kentucky Baptist Convention, but then the letter got to me because they knew I was the campus pastor during that time. And she wrote this letter thanking God for the ministry that we were involved with because she was searching and she was actually ready to give up her life. And she found her way to one of our meetings, to one of the gatherings on campus, which changed her life forever. It was not the church. It was people being devoted to changing lives that changed her life. And she found Jesus that night. And from that moment on, years later, she's still following Jesus and has her family now following Jesus. And they're out there changing life in the name of Jesus. And every week, every time, every gathering, we present the gospel that way that we do is because we believe God is calling us to reach people who are far from God and lead them to become more fully devoted to Jesus Christ alone. Because we believe it can change lives, that change lives. And so I want you to show you a really powerful story that I love about four guys in the gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It says this in recording. It said, a few days later when Jesus again entered uh, Capernaum, the, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And, and he preached the word to them. And some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get to him, to Jesus, because of the crowd, don't miss this. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered that mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now notice, before Jesus heals the guy, which he eventually does, he goes for the biggest need first, his spiritual need. And he forgives his sins. I want to talk to you today about reaching people. 
Our value that we say here goes like this. We will do anything short of sinning to reach people who do not know Christ. To reach people no one else is reaching, we have to do things no one else is doing. We will have to go places no one else is going. We'll have to love on people in ways no one else is demonstrating or reflecting his love. Thus being a church, we have to love loud now, always. And if you're a Christ follower and you don't share anything about Jesus through your week, where you work, where you live, where you play, and the only time that you say Jesus is when you swear a little bit, Let's call it what it is. Some of you didn't pray a single, for a single person this week who didn't know Christ because you're too caught up in your own little stuff. It's been a long time since you've invested or invited someone who wasn't a Christ follower to church, or perhaps you've never done that before. It's that you call it what it is, if we can just be honest, right? I, I'm not here to try to make you feel guilty or shame, but let's be completely honest. Let's not just say it. This is what I believe and it's my value. Let's look at our actions because they say more. There is something about this to be said. Preferred values versus values. Preferred values versus values. Preferred values is what we say we are and we claim it and we just sort of be a part of it. But values is what we say and we do. Big difference. And when people look at us, they see us for who we are. They see our values. And what would someone say about you this morning? Heck, let's just take it up a notch. Let's just look into your social media. By the way, the Nest crew has all their, everybody's social media pages, and we're going to pull them up right now. Some of you are like, oh. Because you know you shouldn't have tweeted that or Snapchat that one. Instagram is kind of sketchy. But if they look inwardly, what kind of value would they see? Does it reflect the creator or does it reflect you? This is what the post about the most in our culture is selfie-isms. It doesn't work for me, but I've seen them. I've seen guys do this and I've seen guys do this. I've seen girls try to get this gone. They'll go. And it's just weird. You're more focused about yourself, and then you repost what everybody else is posting. Can someone see you take this seriously about reaching others for Christ, or, or do they see something so different, not so different than the rest of the world? I'm not judging, but the truth is the truth. What I want to do is, in the rest of the time I have is just to show you two quick things. Two quick thoughts that I believe all of us who are in Christ, who are called to do in order to, 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 to love people in a relationship with Jesus. Two big ideas that, that have potential to change lives that can change lives. The first one is that I believe that God calls us, um, who, are, who are Jesus followers, to bear some burdens. He calls us out to bear some burdens, to bear some burdens, to care for those who are in a place of hurt or in a need in our lives. In fact, this is exactly what happens in verse 3. If you look at that again in Mark's gospel, this is what the Bible says. Some men came bringing to Jesus a what? A paralyzed man carried by four of them. 
I want you to notice it didn't say, hey guys, I heard Jesus going down to this, you know, this area and he's on the south side of town and hey guys, you, let's, just, let's just call an you know, Uber type of guy or maybe get a cab or I got a truck, let's just go get the truck. And they didn't do that. What they did is they got involved in his life and they said, hey man, we're, we're going to get you there. I don't care if a hurricane's are coming, we're going to get you there. If we have to carry you, I don't care if it's five hit miles up a hill, both ways, in snow, you know, I'm going to do it. And then maybe I don't know how far it is quite. I don't know how much mud along the way there is, but I just want to get you to Jesus. We have to get people to Jesus. We care about you enough to do this. You see, yesterday... For those who gathered, many gathered in the cold and the rain, and it was like 55 degrees outside, and, and we ran for those who were caught in addiction. And they ran because they, they, the other people who were caught, they can't run right now. And so we served them. Some walked, some ran, but we bear a little bit of our time to make sure others have a chance to experience the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. We as followers of Jesus, we're going to bear some burdens and we're going to carry, carry them. That's what I like about this. These four guys, they carried their friends to Jesus. That's what I like about our church. We don't just invite people to church. We invest and we invite and we get, to get them to come sit with us. There's a difference. Hey, come to my church. No, I'm good. No, I'm coming to your house and I'm bringing you with me because there's a seat sitting beside me that I want you to sit in because it's, 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 it's for you. Bottom line, I believe with all my heart that we're called to bear some burdens with people. When people are hurting, when we're there with them. When they're crying, we're crying with them. We, when they can't walk, we walk for them. We do what we do so the gospel has a platform to work and change lives that can change lives. The second thing is this. And some of you are going to like this one because I know who you are. But God is going to call us to break some rules. Can I get an amen? Some of you are going, to, you know, you're going around already like this. I, I, I can't do that. You're just like, you're nervous. You're shutting down. Your bumpers are up already. But I want to tell you, you're breaking the rules. It's okay when it's, when it's a good place to do it. A lot of you are like, you, 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 you love to break rules. You're just a natural rebel anyway, to be honest. If, I, if I'm honest, I love to break rules. My wife says it all the time. You break more rules than anybody, and you're a pastor. I never liked the rules as a kid. I just couldn't sit there long enough to just, you know, I'm just like, that's my ADD inside me, I guess. But I'll be honest with you. Let's just be really honest and loft this morning. Can we be honest? We're closer to heaven. So let's just be honest. When no one else is looking in grade school, and they didn't have cameras back in the day when I was in grade school. I would run down the hallway and then would jump off the side. I would do things. I, I would just, I, I, I literally remember playing WWF in the bathroom with some friends, jumping off the trash can. I never practiced safety, uh, scissor safety. I always ran with scissors, pointed outwards. Never did that. Still today, I don't know how to practice safety, you know, scissor safety. My, my, my wife corrects me all the time in the house. She's like, you have kids now. Practice it. I'm like... You do that with them. I probably never have followed the 30-minute rule before swimming. Never have. I wear white after Labor Day most times. I do that. I sometimes drive without my seatbelt on, that little red flasher, right? Those signs that have numbers on them, I still haven't figured that one out yet. They're more like parameters. 
Just being honest. If I can be honest, you can too. And I know some of you like to break rules because it's just who you are. And in this story, we see four guys who massively break some rules to do whatever it takes because we will do anything short of sinning to reach people who do not know Christ Jesus. Look at verse four. He, here's what he says about these four guys. Since they could not get their buddy to Jesus because of the crowds, watch this. He, they made an opening where? In the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. Now, don't miss this. It's huge. We get to get our friend to Jesus, right? We, 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 we got to get our friend to Jesus. Jesus is teaching. People are listening. And we, we can't get in. Let's, let's go on the roof. We can dig a hole through the roof. The roof was made of beams, mud, and, and this other common ingredient back in the day and time, which was manure. And so it really wove everything together and it tied it really tight. And, and so grass would actually grow on top of the roof. Crazy, I know, right? But it was a solid roof. It was thick. It was, it was what was in the culture. And here comes four guys that desperately wanted to, to get their friend to Jesus. And it doesn't say that they had a shovel or any type of tool. What it means to me, if you remember what it's made of, sometimes you've got to go through a lot of See, some of you are thinking about that one right now. That's right. Did he just say that? No, I didn't. You did. But sometimes you got to go through a lot of crap. Yep, to get your friends to Jesus. You can imagine on a roof going through everything that stinks in life, and you know it's hot and it's sweaty and it's just, it stinks. What is that? Then you just wiped it all over your nice new white outfit. And then the roof starts to fall out of nowhere and the owner of the house is like, what the? And then the next thing you know, the light comes piercing in and Jesus already knows. He's already laughing. He's just, you know he's going, this is great. I just want to see how far they'll go. <laughs> you know he's thinking that. And then you got these four guys who are doing everything humanly known to a man by breaking the rules to get their friend to Jesus. You can almost imagine them leaning over the hole and saying, Jesus, they're just so tearfully excited. They're on an incline, a roof, and they're just like, this is so hard. This is going to be so worth it. And there he is. I, I don't know the, how they did it, but they're like, okay. I almost env envision these guys almost like Larry, Moe, and Curly, okay? That's just what I look like. In my, and if you don't know who those guys are, go watch some videos. Those are some great videos, by the way. It's like, okay, Larry, you grab his arm. He grabs his arm. Mo, you grab the leg. Curly, you grab whatever. You know, and then just, okay, I got the other arm. And they're just starting to lower him down. All right, boys, let's, let's take him as far as we can go. And then, then, then they didn't calculate in, and it was kind of too far, right? And they're like, okay, what do we do? Let's just drop him. Let's just drop him. I don't know if it happened, but, you know, it's not like they're going to re-paralyze him. So just boom, right? <laughs> See, the Jesus is as Jesus is, or, you know, it is what it is. And what I love about this is these guys are not, not taking any obstacles as a sign that God is stopping them. We're going to bust through barriers. We're going to break the rules, and we're going to do whatever it takes to see people get to Jesus. And then we have a church full of people that are crazy like this. And I mean, each week I hear story after story and story about God using different people to aggressively bring people to Christ. Even coworkers who are looking for their fathers. And then finds their heavenly father first. All the way to go to Texas to find an earthly father who now experiences a changed life. 
One of my favorite stories here is, is one of a people who literally just kept on serving and loving it and just finally found out who Christ is in their family. He plays the band. He's a worship leader. And then it was just, basically he was just loving on his neighbor. Kept on investing and inviting and their family was investing and inviting. Kept loving and inviting even though she was caught in sin. But finally one day she decided to show up and not only did she show up, that's the day Jesus changed her life which resulted in a completely 180 in their family. Her husband at the time was an atheist, and he came and followed after her because he saw the life change. He's like, ha, I want to experience it too. And a year later, she went on a mission trip to explore how she can be used in another country. And, and one of the main things they need the most in this country is people who have skills to teach others how to cut hair and rescue women who are caught in prostitution. Guess what she does? She cuts hair. All because of a neighbor who never gave up and constantly pursuing her in the name of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When everybody else said, no, she's far from God. You don't know what she's caught in. I'm telling you, man, I know of God. He doesn't care what you're caught in. He just wants you to see you turn your life around. And so for us, we'll do anything without sinning to reach those who are far from Jesus and as a church, when we recognize that Jesus didn't come for the healthy, but he came for the sick, and that's what we are all are sick. We all need his grace, and we need to recognize who he is in us and what he's done. And our, and our only reasonable response is to give him the whole life of who we are, because when we experience him, it changes lives everywhere. We should know that we are the light of the world. And I see a church that does not judge those who are without Christ, but loves them to know that they can sit right here and experience him with us. And I see a church full of people who will bear some burdens and get messy and get dirty and get involved in the lives who, who will break some rules at some times and cut through some of the religious crap where you have to do it in order to get to Jesus. Because I see a church full of people who knows what it means to be sick and knows what it means to be healed and being redeemed and knows what it means to be dark and a desperate sinner, but also knows what it means to be forgiven. When you know that by the grace of Jesus, then you will know anything short of sinning to reach people who don't know Christ is where we need to be to reach people no one else is reaching. We will do things no one else is doing because God calls us to lead the way to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. See, God did not give us a small commission, but he gave us a great commission to go into all the world and to preach the gospel of the good news of the love of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, and the grace that he has to share. It's amazing, right? Amazing grace the verse, the song that I remember. We always sung those four verses. We never skipped number three, so it's important, right? So let this be a statement that will stand as long as this church movement exists. We will do anything short of sinning to reach people who do not know Jesus. To reach those people no one else is reaching, we will do things no one else is doing because we desire to see changed lives that will change lives. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this time, this moment. 
you gave us the simple gospel. You gave it to us so simply. You just said, go, now go multiply. And some of us just get it all confused. We weigh it down. We weigh it down with a lot of religion. And we're like, we can't go there. What will people think? I can't go to the altar. What will people say? Jesus, you didn't ask us to do that. You just asked us to be obedient and to follow you. Lord, I just pray over my friends who have ears to hear that we do this as a church, as a community, and we change the atmosphere. I've seen what it looks like to do it in college, and I just want to see it do it in my town that I grew up. I want it for my family. I want it for my friends. I want to see it just do something only you can get the credit for. I want to see the movement of multiplication into our next community. I want to see it happen because we decided to roll up our sleeves and go through some messes to get involved. Maybe break a couple rules. Do some things that just no one else is doing. God, may you be exalted by literally our worship and our efforts along the journey. It's not going to be easy, but you called us out to be different, set us apart. So God, I pray that over my friends today. May they lean in and experience you in a whole new way this morning. And may they just be reinvigorated by your, by your love, by your grace. Jesus, I pray that in your name. Amen. We're going to sing a song, one of my favorite songs. It's called The Simple Gospel. It's so simple, and I pray it just literally touches you in a way that changes lives. So why don't you stand and sing this song with us? <laughs>